I mean, to be fair, I think we've always said that top four is the real trophy, right, lads? I was saying that for years, mate. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Arsenal had it right all those years ago, and you know, all those people are taking the mickey out of them. <laughs> Who's laughing now? <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. Not us. Definitely not us. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's Red Voices. Pleasure to have you with us. We are recording on Sunday night, not long after United's rather drab 3-1 defeat to Chelsea in the FA Cup semi-final. We've got you and Leonard, Paul Gunning and Richard Can to discuss that and the previous game against Crystal Palace here on this week. But before we get into that, Paul, how are we? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks, mate. I've I had a bit of a crap day all around, really, and it started badly and I just you know you just get a feeling you just think well United are gonna lose and yeah here we are I mean at least your car didn't blow up yeah I'll see I'll, I'll see your crap down raise you <laughs> a know, car yeah. explosion yeah yeah <laughs> it, wasn't it, it that started bad. badly and went went got worse yeah yeah so the, the the other half blew the car up the car is dead you got a new dog though we have got a new dog yes but but the, the, the in the words of the RAC man the, the car will be condemned tomorrow Literally sure, a ba- well. baptism of fire for the puppy, eh? Yeah, he said the engine's basically destroyed. So that was quite impressive. Speaking of condemned, how many Manchester United players would you like to do the same to after that performance? <laughs> yeah, can I just say, I'm not sure who the biggest winners are here today, whether it's Chelsea or Dean Henderson. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I'd condemn two. I'm going two. All right. Well, De Gea is one. Who's the other one? Lindelof. I can't, I can't abide oh. by Lindelof. He's just not, yeah. he's not good enough. It doesn't, it doesn't make him look any better when he's playing alongside a drunk Maguire. No, no. No, I mean, there may be uh, somewhat contingency for Maguire, considering that you know that he was dealing with what two rather bad thwacks to the head. At least one yeah. of them completely self-inflicted as well, which caused Eric by that injury. But yeah, let's get right into it. You know, we'll yeah. come back to the top four race in a little while. But let's start off with today. You know, I think we all expected that United would make. A fair few changes coming into this game. We weren't going to see the same four-one, sorry, four-two-three-one that we've been seeing over the last couple of weeks because we all saw it in that game against Palace on Thursday. United just looked knackered and we were struggling to keep hold of the ball and we were making mistakes. So, yeah. wasn't I think Rich wasn't a surprise to see that lineup. I think the frustration is for me that we really caused our own downfall with some shocking errors this afternoon. Yeah, I mean, I, going into this game, I know, I know. A lot of people disagree, but this felt almost felt like United's least most important least important game of the domestic season left. And I know that sounds terrible, but in 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 the short term, it's probably the most important. But in the in the medium term, it's probably the least important, particularly after Leicester got panned by um, Spurs today as well. So I can understand the changes we made, and I think I think today highlighted a lot of the issues that we know have been there for quite a long time. Wasn't surprised at all that he made changes. I'm surprised he, little surprised he didn't make more changes to be honest, because we looked so tired and leggy in the last, the last couple of matches. But but the biggest issue that United have, and the reason why he's had to stick out virtually the same team for every league game we've played, is because beyond the the first eleven, the the strength of the squad is absolutely abysmal, and the the drop off for some players is is enormous. Um, and, and one of the one of the problems Maguire's had, I think, this season is that essentially he's our only above average centre-back or reliable centre-back and so he's played every game he's played every I think he's played every match I think I can re- remember when he's been fit he's played through injury numerous times as played well, through injury he? as well and he just looks yeah. knackered I mean they, they all look tired because they've been playing the same players twice a week for the last three or four weeks but but he's one who's looked increasingly weary as the the last few games have gone on I think I think you just saw both the fact that he's he's knackered the fact that he almost knocked out by his own player 
Well, he almost knocked himself out. I don't well, think no, that's, no, that's on Bai. No, that's Bai was the innocent party. Well, he in that was. Whole he was. But it's blessing. the most. It's the most Bai thing ever. That isn't it? It's the most uh, Bai thing ever. Getting, the getting taken out things. on his. Getting taken out on his. What on his return game by by a headbutt <laughs> from his own player. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and, and the fact that Maguire's just he's he's surrounded by people who who just aren't good enough at the moment. If if at all, it it wasn't Brandon Williams's best day at the office, was it today either? He's still really raw, isn't he? Really raw. He's very raw, yeah. We knew that, and and I think you know probably, well, certainly if Shaw had been fit, this is why I think Solskjaer hasn't been playing Williams. He sees that he's raw, and just you know, in terms of the squad, I agree with you that the the squad we've said for for a long time now the squad isn't good enough. The, The the trouble is, I think. Solskjaer got really spooked by the Norwich game, as I think we all mm. did as fans, you know. But he made, was it eight changes in that game? And, mm. you know, when you make really sweeping changes like that and it doesn't work, and he's obviously then thought, right, well, the squad's not good enough. But, you know, it probably is good enough just about to, to, to make the odd change here and there so mm. you can rest Paul Pogba for one game, Fernandez mm. for a game, Martial for a game. You've got players who you, you can put into a winning team, not all at the same time, and probably do a job for you. But he's not done that. He's just been like flogging these players to death, and I think it really showed. Today. And Chelsea, yeah, they were more energetic. They were more aggressive. They were first for every ball. We ne- we'd never got going. We never looked right from the first minute. Yeah. And then obviously you throw in the injury to Bayi, a goal just before half time, a goal just after half time. De Gea mistakes, and it was just a real shambles in the end. Yeah, um, I mean. Looking at the game as a whole, I mean, it, it, did it really teach us anything we don't already know? Number Not one, really. the hair is becoming an increasing liability and these moments of lack of concentration are now becoming the norm. You know, we can't rely on him to not keep, for him at least, or at least a, a top-class goalkeeper, or at least a middle-class goalkeeper, to keep these shots out. Secondly, United still have no answer when they're being pressed. You know, it, it was no. obvious very early on that United... I mean, Matic gave the ball away in, what, the first minute, and I was thinking, you know, I, I know I've got a Matic giving the ball away agenda anyway, but at the same time, I was looking at that thinking that could be a sign of things to come this afternoon because yeah. United, especially in the last week, the games against Southampton and at points in the game against Palace, all teams had to do to put us under pressure was just pressurise us when we're on the ball in our own half. And Chelsea did that constantly today for the entire game. It was impressive, yes, there is something it? Yeah, I mean there's something to be said for the fact that they had two days more time to actually prepare and rest, but at the same time it points to the other thing that we're going to talk about, which is the lack of quality in United squad. You know, yeah. you can't make wholesale changes to it and maintain that same level of fluidity and that coherence because you get a performance like you did today. And I guess, you know, looking you know, the first big incident at the half, well, you know, obviously Barbaye getting that injury. The interesting thing for me was that United had no, basically no possession. Chelsea dominating the ball, but didn't create a lot. And the big turning point in that game is the first goal. And it is a rubbish, rubbish goal to concede as well, isn't it, Rich? Yeah, see, see previous comments about Lindelof and, and De Gea. I think, and uh... well, to be fair, I would give a little, uh, quite a bit of stick to Williams there. I know he's raw. I know yeah, he's Williams young, spell, Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he lets Aspilicueta completely go, and Matt is just trying to close him down, and he's not even trying to track back. You know, there's not enough effort to try and stop that cross. Yeah, I mean, he 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 had quite a considerable part in both of the goals, didn't he? Unfortunately, today it was just completely foobar from a defensive perspective. You know, I have a little bit of sympathy for De Gea with that one. He was slightly unfortunate because he almost kind of made the save, and then he came back off himself and went over the line, but. Pete De Gea, Pete De Gea saves that in his sleep. 
Um, and I think, as you said, it, it's become absolutely endemic in his game now. And unfortunately, you felt, it felt like certainly once the second goal went in, the, he, he now looks the same goalie mentally for United as he has always for Spain. If he makes a mistake, you, you feel that he'll make another mistake or he can make another mistake. Um, and his head goes down. I just kind of felt like he he clearly had some degree of blame in his own mind for that first goal, and he should have done. And I think that really affected him from then on as well. Did you see that during the during the drinks break in the second half, he was just sort of stood there on his own, and yeah. you know it must really eat away eat away at him, and particularly because he was so good for those you know five six years or whatever. He started to wonder, you know, he was being he's been a top class goalkeeper or, or certainly playing you know in top teams as a goalkeeper since what 16 I think when he when he mm. made his debut for Atletico and you you wonder whether it's a bit of burnout or I don't know it's really difficult to say because he was so so good and now he's I mean he's still you know he made a couple of decent saves in the second half he's still got it in his locker but the damage is already done the damage is done and it is mental and, and it's also the, 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 the we've said it before again you know it's happened so often now it's the effect it has on the players in front of him and it's the effect it has on opposition players you know they just think well we've got to test this guy you know and with a shaky you wonder how you know the defence today was poor and it has been poor at times over the course of the season but you wonder how much of that is we've got this guy behind us we just don't trust Mm. Mm. I get where you're coming from there I mean I'm not sure how much blame I would put on that lack of confidence in De Gea on the second goal, though, because especially coming after, you know, Bailly's injury, which forced uh, Solskjaer to bring in Martial. Now, admittedly, going back to the 4-2-3-1, or at least the 4-3-3, that, you, you could see that being a positive change for United going to second half, because we knew we had to step our game up. We knew we needed to get more of the ball. We knew we needed to put Chelsea under a bit more pressure. Obviously, completely undermined within the first, what, two minutes? Yeah, exactly. And it's such a bad goal to concede. But again, it's all about United's inability to pass out from the press. You know, Brandon Williams makes an awful, awful pass right into the middle of the pitch that he's expecting either Maguire or Matic or Lindelof to get. But it's nowhere near any of them. Mason Mount picks it up. And the problem is, it's not even that great of a shot that's got De Gea there. Yeah. He's just... The, the body position to me just looks completely wrong. It, you know, he's tried to get down too early. He's basically even, palmed it on him. It doesn't even stretch his arms out, really, does he? He's, he's kind of like, it's fallen over. Watch your back in slow-mo. He's got his eyes closed at the point where <laughs> the ball hits his hands. I'm not joking. Yeah. Seriously, he's got his oh, eyes no. closed. <laughs> Which is, you know, you'd think for a goalkeeper that's probably, it's quite a basic, like, keep your eyes open. It is. I mean, I think today, today solidified for me that, that he's done, really, and it, at a level that United need him at. And I think my one hope is, and I know it's a really t- tr- tricky situation politically, particularly given his new contract, but I'm hoping that Ollie's been pretty brutal so far, hasn't he, with, with, with players he doesn't think are up to it. Well, then God didn't even make the bench well, again well, no, well, no, exactly. And, you know, he's 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 taken he's taken on a guy in Sanchez who's earning more than De Gea and said, I'm not having him, and got rid of Lukaku, which was an incredibly big call. And I think one that's actually been proven to be the right call this season. Mm, yeah, And I think now... You look at the number of errors that De Gea is making. Oh. The errors are nowhere near as many as the outstanding saves that that, that save us points or save us a game. That that those those are just quite few and far between now. There's no way Oli can look at De Gea and look back on his performances for the last eighteen months and think Henderson, for example, could be worse, because I just don't think he could. Um, and you know, a really really brave manager would say to, would say to him, look. We've been such a great player for this club, but I can't guarantee you this a starting spot. So make up your mind, you know. 
I, th- I think surely he must be expecting that as a player. You know, as a as a player at a, at a club like Manchester United, you, you know, you, standards wise, it's just it's not good enough. He, he must know. know he must know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and yeah. then you just you give him you give him the choice, don't you? you? Say, look, I'm bringing Henderson back. He's starting the season. Yeah, you can either stay here and fight it out with him, or you could find a move, whether it's a loan or whatever. And we'll get your wages off the thing. Romero stays because United need to spend a lot of money elsewhere. So mm. it would be absolutely silly to look a gift horse in the mouth that is Henderson now. You know, there's a solution, and then it's up to the hair, isn't it? He can sit and take his money and sit on the bench and not worry about it, or he can find a move somewhere and and try and regain some form. And if he if he goes away on loan and plays brilliantly, he either gets a transfer or he can come back and say, "Look, I've been brilliant for the last year. Give me a chance." Yeah, I mean, the problem is, is that. Dehaer's form is forcing Solskjaer to make a choice, and he clearly doesn't want to make it. You know, and I can't blame him. You know, United gave Dehaer a bumper contract at the start of this season to tie him down and to give him some solidity. And Dehaer mentioned that it was really important for him that Solskjaer stuck by him at the end of you know the second half of last season or at various points when you know Dehaer was making frequent errors. The problem is, is that it's just continued, mm. and you know with. De Gea right now I mean I feel for Romero really you know I mean he should have started that game and you know he's been pretty decent for us in the cup competitions and you know especially with the way that game went on I mean can you honestly say that Romero doesn't get his hand to those two goals that went in the first two anyway at least but as you were saying you know can you rely on De Gea in the big moments at the minute and the easy answer to that is I'm not sure I mean Paul, you pointed out he made some good saves after the second goal went in but by that point the damage was done you know we were already two down and United were not Yes, we ended up with basically with the players currently available to us, bar Luke Shaw, what you would say is our strongest starting eleven. But by that point, we were struggling for fluency. We couldn't break down those two Chelsea lines when we had the ball in their half, and we were just waiting for that inevitable third goal, Rich. And when it mm. came, it wasn't really a surprise. Done, yeah. you know? and it's an own goal by Harry Maguire, which caps off a really rubbish performance. Tired minds, wasn't it? Really, I think tired bodies and minds and. And then that's when that's when mistakes happen, and there were too many players that are play, clearly playing, kind of in the red zone as they call it. That extra couple of days clearly will have been a benefit to um, to Chelsea, and it was just kind of the icing on the cake, wasn't it? It was just a game in which any anything that could go wrong did go wrong. Really, <laughs> I think um, you know we, we talked obviously a lot about De Gea, and rightly so. Uh, we've mentioned Williams didn't play well, but there are quite a few players that didn't play well today. I mean, Dan James, Dan James, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to sound like I've got a, a a sort of vendetta against Andrews. I don't at all. He seems like a really nice lad, but he just looked like a little boy today again. Mm-hmm. And it's happening too often, and particularly against Chelsea, he was so aggressive. He, he, I mean, he just couldn't get he couldn't get into the game at all. He makes the wrong wrong decisions. He was getting knocked off the ball really easily. Uh, Rashford wasn't great. You know, he had a, he had a, a sort of half chance in the second half. And he he didn't do too badly with it, but you know, he, again, he couldn't get into the game. And it was it was all because Chelsea. Yeah, they had more energy, but they were they were they were just pressing us, and they were so aggressive and little niggly fouls here and there, shoves in the back, and we just didn't cope with it. No, um, no I mean yeah. Bruno was getting kicked all over the shop, especially in the first half, and I don't know I don't know whether that that had an effect because you know he's quite the scrapper, but you know you're talking about bad performances. I mean, we love Paul Pogba on this podcast. He was dirt this afternoon. I mean, I know that obviously he looked a bit tired, and that was a performance of a Paul Pogba who was trying too hard to make things happen. Almost every single one of the passes that he tried in the Chelsea half just didn't come off and he gave the ball away way too easily because he was just playing right on the edge of the game and not quite able to get things going. But, I mean, no, who did have a good performance? I mean, I, I can't really point to anyone and say that they particularly shone. And at least... 
even though he lost the 19-game unbeaten streak, which obviously stretches back to that you know proper loan out against Burnley back in January. You know, at least we weren't kept. You know, it wasn't a shutout. At least you know Martial brought down by I think it was Hudson Odoi late on in the second in the second half towards the end of the game. And Fernandez slots home. I mean, at that point, I was thinking if there's any ever going to be a time that Bruno's not going to score a penalty, it's going to be this one based on the way the game was going. Yeah, I genuinely I thought I really didn't think he was going to score it. Yeah, he took it really well, obviously. But even then, you, you, there was no, no no part of me that thought, oh, game on, you know, or. We're going to get even get a second, you know, and even that came against the run of play. It was very much more Chelsea who looked the more likely to score. Yeah, I mean, one thing to mention before we start to wrap up the Chelsea chat, Rich, I mean, there's been an unhealthy amount of chat about United's uh, VAR decisions, especially over the last couple of weeks. What about that Zuma kick on Martial's leg in in the first half? I mean, given how much... I think it was BT were talking about the penalty not given uh, against Lindelof when he tackled Zaha on Thursday night. I thought it was mad they just brushed that off and said, no, it's outside of the box, so it wasn't a penalty. Zuma's kicked his leg in midair. Yeah, I do I do think there is an issue, and I think Ollie was right. I think we have been fortunate with a couple of decisions in the last few weeks, but by the same token, we've also been extremely unfortunate with some as well. I mean, um, if you're looking for kind of marginal penalty decisions, then the, the, the penalty that Baye conceded for the for shouldering the ball against hmm. against Bournemouth went actually right on the line. It didn't even look like a handball to me. You know, the, the, the non-sending off of Oriol Romeo. I think the, the, the problem is that with United, it's easy for, particularly for opposition managers who want to, you know, light a fire, to kind of say, look at them, they're getting all the decisions and, and nobody ever notices the ones that United don't get because they just laugh and go, oh, it's United. I mean, D- Duncan Castles is all over it, isn't he? Yeah, of course he is, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, it's, I mean, it's hilarious. That's, that's his thing, isn't it? I mean, Castles' pod every week is basically anchored by <laughs> anchored by talking shit about Ollie. Um, it's unbelievable. It is incredible. Um, anyway, yeah, but but yeah, that, that that is the point. It's always been the case. I don't deny for a second that that over the over the years, big clubs probably get decisions over smaller clubs a lot. But but the idea that United have benefited massively from VAR as opposed to everybody else is, and, and haven't had anything that's gone against them, I think is absolutely ridiculous because. You could say we'll look at the, the penalty or non-penalty at, at Palace, but but then uh, we we could say we might not have won that game, we might have drawn it or lost it. But then you look at the Southampton game, there's no way we're losing that game if Romero gets sent off, so or drawing that game if Romero gets sent off. So yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is with VAR, it's such a minefield anyway. And you're right, it, it is. I, I mean, I, I haven't totted up all the decisions, but I would say that almost every single club in the league can point to a couple of decisions that have gone against them that were incredibly marginal and maybe not particularly subjective, and then some that they were quite lucky to get. You know, it, it, it's complete swings and roundabouts, and it's very much like pre-VAR, really. You know, yeah, weird that. Isn't <laughs> very it? little has changed. And... Yeah, I mean, again, you know, I mean, that's in the first half. You know, let's not make out that United were incredibly hard done by by that decision. You know, obviously it would have had an effect on the game. But the reason that we didn't win today is because we made a series of terrible mistakes and our squad's not good enough to cope when we make any rotation. So, you know, I mean, disappointing, especially in the case that Arsenal put in a massive performance against City on Saturday night to reach the final. And, you know, I don't think either Pep or Solskjaer are going to be particularly happy with the way that they're... uh, FA Cup campaigns ended, but yeah, I mean, uh, at, at least Solskjaer had the decency yeah. to wear a suit today. I mean, you know, at least suit trousers. <laughs> I mean, like we're scraping the barrel for <laughs> yeah. there, Paul. Come on, good grief! That's what I'm here for, you. I mean, anything more you want to say about that, lads? 
the general thing was that we we just looked tired. We looked tired in our minds, and I and I do think there's something to the fact that obviously since the since the restart, United have been in a position where they couldn't drop points. They've gone into every game really needing to win that game, and you, I think the other whilst Leicester have obviously struggled a lot, um, Chelsea have had a degree of leeway, um, and I think they'd still they still kind of back themselves to go to to, to beat Wolves on the last day at home, and and qualify for the Champions League. Whereas Oli can't take that for granted. You know he's got to beat. West Ham first with a knackered team, and then go to Leicester and and get something there as well. So I think I think Chelsea were able to come into it into that game with with a clear perhaps a clearer mind than we were. Yeah, I'm not I, I'm not even sure if we if we'd started with our our first teams today in our proper formation. I'm not I'm genuinely not convinced we would have won the game anyway because I just think something wasn't right today. Yeah, in the minds of the players from from the first whistle to the last, it just wasn't there. No, I mean, I guess the good thing about, you know, obviously you'd much rather be in a final than not, but once United play Leicester next week, I think, what have we got? A period of uh, 10 days or so, if not 11, between our next game when we play Lask. And you would assume that with a 5-0 aggregate lead going into that second leg, Solskjaer doesn't have to necessarily play his full strength side and he can afford to give some players a bit of a rest, you know, because they need it. And I'm not saying that United are completely unique in this situation. You know, clubs have... Every team in the Premier League has had to be dealing with something similar. But the problem is, you look at City, the strength and depth they've got on their bench, even if their defence isn't necessarily up to snuff at the minute, as was evidenced last night, they still have quality options to bring on, even oh. when the games are tight or to start with them. So, you know, and United just don't have that right now. Hopefully, they'll improve the uh, median level of the squad a little bit more over the summer. But again, that, especially with how tight some of these games have been and how slight the margins for error are and between winning and losing. I think that really told the difference tonight. Just a quick reminder that Red Voices is brought to you in association with Pitch Sports, a football fan-up offering you the chance to connect and compete with other United fans, build and rate starting 11s to predict United's results, and have your say on the club. Head on over to Google Play or the Apple App Stores and search for Pitch Sports. But yeah, moving on to United's top four push. So uh, our best mate, Jose Mourinho, did us a massive favour earlier on and tonked uh, Leicester City 3-0 in London. Love that guy. Oh yeah, never a bad word to say. I will not hear a bad word said about him ever. Not in this podcast. You won't hear it now. Yeah, you know, I just had I, I, I had complete confidence in him today. I really did, genuinely. No, me I too. If you're looking to anyone to do us a favour in our push for top four... It would be Mourinho today. Just, I, yeah, I had no doubts that they'd do it. Yeah, so that leaves United uh, equal in fourth place with Leicester. Same goal difference, same points. And obviously with a game in hand after that defeat today, meaning that United don't have to win their next two games to qualify, although that would certainly save a couple of headaches and multiple levels of stress. So I guess which all sort of comes in to the game against West Ham on Wednesday, which was obviously made a lot easier by that victory over Palace at Selhurst Park on Thursday. What did you make of that one? Yeah, I mean, I think I think again we saw, as with the Southampton game, you saw a United team who were clearly tired, not as fluent as they had been in the previous four games. I'd say that Palace at least matched us for long periods of that game, and and we got a little little lucky with a disallowed goal and stuff. But what we do have now which we've not had for a very long time, is that we've got attacking players who, even if we're absolute bilge for a large portion of the game, can produce world-class goals out of nothing, between either between themselves or individually. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's almost what happened, really. We just we played, we played quite badly and scored two absolutely top-class goals that, that were the difference between, between us and the team that doesn't have the capability to score those top-class goals. 
Yeah, I mean, not much to add to that, really. They were fantastic goals. And again, I mean, I just reiterate my point from before. I think, he, I mean, you know, he, he did, but he played McTominay, didn't he? And, and McTominay didn't didn't look great. I, I do think, you know, some of these players who have been left out um, since that Norwich game, they just don't look very confident. You can see it with Fred today as well. You know, they, they've really lost confidence. Uh, I thought, actually, Matic made a big difference when he came on. And I thought Lingard did okay, you know, his mm. movement was, was pretty good. Mm. And it was one of those games where we didn't play particularly well, but we've got, like Rich says, we've got the players now who can, you know, in an instant make, make the difference and score those beautiful goals. And, and they got were the job good, done, which they? Is all, they were fantastic goals. Oh, that yeah, really goal. lovely to watch. Yeah, I mean, not since Hal robson Carnu in the Euro 2016 <laughs> quarterfinals, Wales versus Belgium, has a player <laughs> murdered so many players with one quick drab back of his foot. Now, you remember that well, don't you? I, I do remember it well, because it was the best thing to ever happen in the history of Welsh football, so shut up. <laughs> um, but, oh, I mean, absolute top class, wasn't it? Was it? Stunning, Just completely wasn't it? ruins Van Arnold and the keeper, and the, oh, I think, what was it? Uh, Walters or Scott Dan in the process. You know, beautiful goal. Mm. And it came at a good time for United, that one. And, you know, you're right when United looked better with Matic back on the pitch. But, you know, there were, again, some elements of luck. What was it? Millimetres difference for that offside against oh. Ayu oh. when I think it was... I what? mean, if that go, if that... If that was she on the other foot and it's United who scored that and it gets disallowed, you'd be absolutely livid, wouldn't you? Oh, you'd be gutted, but offside is offside, whatever that means. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is, but you know, it's tough on them, really. Sure. They, they actually deserved that goal. Oh, they did. I mean, point. I thought they were good value for it. And as we were talking about earlier on, they pressed United quite well. You know, Hodgson had them really harrying United in our half. And that's what where that disallowed goal came from. You know, I think it was Maguire mm. was put under pressure and we gave the ball away, and there it was, you know. Swept forward and scored. Yeah, we got lucky there. But as uh, Rich said, the difference between this United side and the ones that have come before it in the last seven years is that we've got enough players with such individual talent to be able to create out of nothing. And Marcus Rashford, who was obviously man of the match because he created one goal out of absolutely nothing and also scored a superb, sublime opener. What was it? Three players around him in his area just skips the ball up, races along, passes it to Fernandez. And it's that first touch from Rashford to Martial. I think what I love most about that goal isn't necessarily the Rashford run. It's that Martial takes that ball on. He's being pressurised by the defender, but he rides that challenge and still has enough in the tank to slot that into the far corner. I I think as a centre forward now, Martial is bordering on world class. In the same way that I think Rashford is bordering on world class as a a wide forward as well. Um, And again, it's to Ollie's credit that he went with the decision that Martial could be that incredibly effective top level centre forward and, and actually trusted trusted himself with it and did it. Um and I think now we're kind of seeing the fruits of that labour because it's not just about his talent. I mean I think I think he's he's been the best finisher at the club for the last two or three years at least. But it's about the fact that he's learning how to play as a centre forward as well. We saw against Southampton the goal he created for Rashford when he was essentially back to goal, backing into the player and he, he's he's become a lot stronger as a centre forward as a focal point rather than just a runner in behind yeah his his relation his and Rashford's relationship is really developing isn't it Mm. into a pretty lethal partnership and and I think you're right Rich Martial we've always seen that the talents there we've always seen the fantastic potential and and he's gone through sort of purple patches as a United player but now there's a real intelligence about his game his movement off the ball um making the right decisions at the right times and yeah, I think you're right. He's, he's, if not 
well across already than certainly borderline it and and the, you know that front we we said since 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 really the the football's come back since the lockdown you know that this is a a sort of front five on their day that can match anyone in the world really yeah i mean again you know we're going to I'm jumping ahead to summer short talk about transfers at the minute but I'm still looking at games like today and games potentially like Thursday, the difference that having a Jaden Sancho or one of Greenwood, Martial or Rashford to bring on in these sort of games where we are struggling, where we're looking a bit mm. leggy, where we are having problems trying to create. The difference in having a really top quality player to bring on that maybe isn't Dan James and let's not me trying to have a pop because yeah, I don't think he's done that badly this season. I just don't think he's quite the player that we need right now. No, you know, the difference could be huge. United really have got to be very careful with who they bring in. But if they're able to get Jaden Sancho, I think a player like him could make a huge difference to how consistent and reliable those forward that front line can be. Absolutely, and also I think and Sancho will know this. You know, Greenwood is a fantastic player. He's got it all, the world at his feet, but he's still very, very young. You know, and and needs to be managed really well. I don't think he can play every game, or I don't think he should play every game. No, no, absolutely not. There'll there'll be drop offs in, in in sort of you know in you know when he gets a bit tired or whatever, there will be drop offs. So you need you need I mean, at the moment there just isn't the backup like you say. So no, I mean the difference with ahead. Greenwood as well is that Martial and Rashford have obviously got a couple of years difference in terms yeah. of having to play themselves out of bad patches of form. With Mason, yeah. you don't necessarily have to do that. You know, he's young and there's other players on the team that can score goals and create and provide. So you don't necessarily have to play him constantly and grind out good performances if he's struggling for goals and struggling for form. So I mm. think bringing another forward like that could be huge. Anyway, Rich, uh, top oh. four battle then. Big game on Wednesday night at Old Trafford against David Moyes' West Ham, who have decided to suddenly <laughs> start playing football and looked... All right, in the last couple of weeks, tempting fate here. How do you think that one's going to go? I I think we're at a point now where we can't take that one for granted. I think I think even sort of three weeks ago, we'd have thought that's a game we can steamroller. But clearly, I'm not sure we're in good enough shape physically to really have enormous confidence that we win that game comfortably. I mean, in the in an ideal world, we stick three or four past them, and suddenly we've got a really nice goal difference cushion over Leicester before the last day of the season. But I. I suggest that probably just winning that game anyway by hook or by crook is is probably what we should be aiming to do as you say they're playing well and we're not defending well particularly no um so it's it's going to be a tricky one to be honest but i mean bruno fernandez was absolute trash at palace <laughs> absolute <laughs> trash. scored a great then, goal and hit the post yeah yeah and then was then given was then given man of the match quite remarkably but but he still he was still involved in the two goals and the, the two moments that decided the match. And what we do have is even when we're playing badly, we have we have that front three or four who can just pull something out of their ass. because the one thing I've noticed about Bruno is that it doesn't matter how many times he, he, he gives the ball away, he just keeps doing this, he just keeps trying the same thing. He doesn't hide, he doesn't, he doesn't stop. And it can be quite frustrating to watch because if he's having a bad game, then he can give the ball away six or seven times in a row in really good positions. But... But once or twice, he'll just get the ball right, and so we we can we can kind of shit our way to wins occasionally, <laughs> which which we, we we can't really take for granted, can we? Because it's not something we've had consistently for quite a long time. Um, it'd, be, it'd be far nicer if we could just go out and steamroll them, and that would be great. But we're almost like a we're like a sprinter who's just kind of staggering towards the line, aren't we? Either way, I mean, I almost felt like the Spurs game, the Spurs Leicester game, didn't make an enormous amount of difference today because if Leicester win that, we we go into that game knowing the point is enough for both, but but can you really play for a point anyway? 
I don't think I don't think we can defend well enough. I don't think we could go out and be compact and try and get a point out of a game. I just don't think we've got that in us. No, no, I agree. Does it change anything really? Leicester, Leicester will come out to win the game like they would have done anyway, and we've got to try and do that as well. I hate playing. I've always hated playing West Ham since that um, game at Upton Park in I can't remember what year it was now when. Fergie dropped Mark Hughes, and we, you remember when we lost the title uh, to Blackburn? It was horrific, and and I don't know they are a bit of a bogey team, and uh, you sort of think, well, they're safe now, so will they turn up? But they will turn up. It's United; they always turn up against United. So, um, and will we have a defence? I mean, you know, Williams was exposed a little bit today. He's, like we said, he's very raw. Um, I thought all season that we'll make top four. I'm not going to start changing that theory now. Yeah, um, I mean, I think, I think it makes me more jittery after today. Yeah, of course it does. Yeah, because it was so it was so poor today. But then I do I think what Rich said before is is, is true that you know the, getting the top four is clearly the priority. I think United have in a, in a way taken the foot off the gas today mentally at least. Yeah. Um, and I think that we'll if anything it'll, it could act as a bit of a wake up call. And I think we will come out and, and you know we have to we just have to win. So we have, I think we will. <laughs> you don't sound at all convinced. <laughs> well, let, um, let's leave it there. I mean, let, let's open the floor up to our friends over at Twitter to see what they thought of today and a couple of questions. So Kevin Brown, uh, well, De Gea was a difference today for all the wrong reasons, but nothing at all clicked at all. Uh, they looked exhausted. Yep, yeah, can't disagree with that. Ian McCon here, uh, not surprised, played Monday and Thursday. Of all, Although of all the players that shouldn't be that tied, the defence and De Gea, there's no excuse. Roll on West Ham. Um, and I think there was a bit of mental fatigue coming in there. But again, you know, Maguire's had three pretty big thwacks to the head over the last week. So I'm not necessarily 100% surprised that he started to look less than sharp mentally on the pitch. Uh, Sean KDLA, as soon as Dave chucked the second one in, Ole should have saved Bruno, Marcus and Tony? Question mark. Did I say that on the WhatsApp? You said exactly yeah, those did. words. A 2-0. Two, a two I'd, I think, I'd have taken, I'd have taken anybody swore. who's important off. Just... just, just game off to be honest there that sounds terrible I would have done <laughs> Paul? I mean now with the benefit of hindsight I would say yeah absolutely should have done that at the time I was thinking throw the big guns on because you know there's still a chance but yeah probably should have done really with the benefit of hindsight, with the benefit of hindsight. I'm just looking at Harry Maguire's appearance stats this season he's played he's played 50 times for United this season including he shouldn't if... have been on the pitch in the second half you could see it yeah yeah he's played he's played every single league game we've we've had he's played every single and let's have a look He's played six games in Europe. He's 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 played too much, um, and, yeah. I, and that's 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 been a. I mean, again, you talk about Dan James earlier. Dan James is suffering now because he shouldn't have been playing as much as he was because of yeah. circumstance. And I think Harry Maguire is just now suffering for that as well. The thing with Maguire, you know, he's clearly one of these players who's like, no boss, let, let me let me stay on the pitch or, or let me play today or mm. whatever. He's very much that kind of player. But today, I mean, there were a couple of times in the second half. When he was literally, he looked like he didn't know where he was. It was ridiculous. Mm. Uh, gave the ball away a lot. You know, there was that point towards the, the end of the second half where Maguire and Matic were constantly trying to get the oh, ball out and pass man. it out, and then Maguire just thumps it and gives it away. I mean, you know, he's like this guy. He's, he's, he obviously thought Matic still played for Chelsea at that point. He's, he's all over the place. Yeah, our bro Tariq Amir. Uh, defeats happen, but it's the manner of the loss that was concerning. I guess the big question is how the team as a whole reacts next match. And that's a good point in terms of the way that we conceded the goals. Because that's been pretty endemic of how United, United have really responded to their general play post-lockdown, I would say. you know, I think almost every goal we scored, it's not necessarily come as the result of incredible build-up play or us getting ripped to bits. It's often been 
bad lapses in concentration either defensively or from De Gea so yeah. that's something and again you know we're, we're posing all these questions of Solskjaer and I don't necessarily think he currently has the tools to solve them no. and that is one of the concerning things going into next season and maybe the season beyond in terms of how much of a ceiling this team actually has and I don't know what the easy answer to that one is to be honest Minashi Karimi will we lose Henderson because Oli is too scared to drop De Gea we spoke a bit about that early on Rich what do you reckon I don't know but all, all I can point to is the fact that he has already made some very big decisions with some very experienced and very expensive players. I mean, it's not just Sanchez and Lukaku, but those two are the glaring examples. But even with somebody like Chris Smalling, your mm. most experienced centre-back there, but he decided he wasn't what he wanted or needed in terms of his technical quality, and he, and he, and he moved him on. And I, I just hope that he has the same strength of belief and, and character to actually do the same with De Gea. It genuinely wouldn't surprise me to see De Gea dropped for game against West Ham honestly I, I think Solskjaer I mean you know come on he's learned from Ferguson he's given David De Gea a hell of a lot of rope to hang himself and I think he's definitely got that ruthless streak we don't always see it in interviews and there was all that uproar earlier in the season of him smiling and laughing in interviews but I think behind the scenes you know he knows that he has to be ruthless and I think he will be well I mean you pointed out as well Rich the big issue going into this season was letting Sanchez, all right, maybe that was a bit of an easy decision considering he had been dirt for most of the last 18 months, but letting the Kaku and Sanchez go and giving Martial and Rashford the responsibility to say, right, you two are the goal getters in this team now, make it happen. And he's not afraid of giving a younger player a chance if he feels like they're up to snuff. You know, we've seen that consistently through this season in various points, in various plays. You know, Greenwood's come on leaps and bounds. Brandon Williams, all right, he's looked a bit ropey over the last couple of games, but more often than not, he's done pretty well for so I don't think he will be scared enough I just think moving De Gea on because he is on such a big contract and how to do that is now the big question for him and I don't think he's got that answer just yet that's almost not up to him though is it that's almost no that's up to the board Sarsha all Sarsha could say is well look we've given him this contract it's not worked out I've got to do the best for the team you sort out the contract you sort out moving him on it's not really up to Sarsha what happens to De Gea after that it's up to De Gea and the, the club. Put the ball in De Gea's court as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, ultimately, he may be he may be happy just picking up his money and sitting on the bench if that's mm. what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. But but you say to him, look, you're playing badly. You know, you're probably not going to play for Spain if you're playing like this at the Euros next year. I'll give you the choice. You can go and loan somewhere and get games and get your confidence back and possibly come back and challenge for the first team jersey here or get a move somewhere, whatever. Or you can sit yeah. on your ass. They're the two options. But it did seem like with Lukaku and with Smalling as well, it was almost like he just decided they weren't going to be part of it, and and yeah. and, the, and he just told them they weren't going to be part of it. You're not going, you're not going to play. You're not going to be first choice. You can and rightly so. It's Manchester United. Yeah, of course. You, yeah, you know he's the manager. You don't ask. You know he he hasn't asked those players to leave. He's told them they won't play much. If you want to play football, go and find something. And I think that's ultimately what he's going to have to do with De Gea. Yeah. And credit to Small, you know, you saw, I, I would have thought he probably said that to Jones as well and a couple of other players. And, they, and they've decided, no, I want to stick it, stick around and, you know, take the money. But credit to players like Small, and he, he's gone, ah, I want to play football. Yeah. And I think hopefully, I'd, I'd like to think De Gea would be one of those players who, who wouldn't want to just sit on the bench. And, you know, it must be tearing mm. him apart really at the mm. moment, this. Well, I mean, it, it, it's so sad that this is potentially the way that De Gea's United career is going to end because he's given us so much during his time at the club. You know, he's And just as things are starting to look up a little bit. Yeah, after so long with him holding us up and providing incredible saves, taking a malfunctioning defence and mm. making it, you know, saving it on so many occasions with incredible reaction saves... 
it's sad that this is the way that his United career is winding down. Maybe it's all that that's just exhausted him, and you know, yeah, no, we, yeah, we spoke about this as with well. Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah maybe I, it's just, I think that's part of it for sure. I think it mentally, be. it's just too much of a, a. It's been a big burden for him to deal with, and you can't stay at that consistent level for that long if you're not getting much help. And yeah. you know, it is a shame, but United haven't really got the room if they really have machinations of becoming a big, you know, a. a one of the best clubs in England and in the continent, they can't be too sentimental over it, which is the sad reality of it. Daz Greer is basically asking the same question. Yeah. With two seasons now consistently punctuated with basic goalkeeping errors, do you feel like we need a change in the goalkeeping position? One word answers, Paul? Yeah. Rich? Yes. Cool, there we go. <laughs> that was nice and easy. Uh, I mean, getting through it won't be as easy, but there we go. Uh, oh. Parth Nikra. Looks like a wonderful way to end off the evening. Looks like we will need to wait another 30 years like Liverpool. <laughs> I don't think it's as bleak as all that. I think I, I think today's... We, 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 know, we knew all all the deficiencies. We've talked about them. They just they were exposed today. And I think, for me, it's, it's a bit of a blip. It's, not, it's the least important of the uh, competitions we're still sort of in. So the top four in Europa. You know, it's disappointing, but it's not the end of the world. No, and I guess as well, it would help a lot if United can get through the Europa League campaign and then the season with some silverware, because as great as it is to finish in the top four, you don't get a trophy for it. It would be nice to actually have something tangible to show beyond that top four finish in Champions League football, because realistically, unless United have an amazing time in the transfer market during this coming summer, we're not going to win the Champions League next year. So it'd be nice to have something to come out into the season and say, we've battled the entire way through that competition. This is our reward. I'll tell you what I do think, though. This is in, from the last seven years. You talk about the 30 years, but the first seven's gone pretty quick, hasn't it? Um, uh, right, so you're saying the next 23 is going to breeze, yeah. Blake. Well, that what I don't saying? know. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it feels like now we're the closest to becoming a very good team that we've been at any point Definitely. in those seven years. Oh yeah, fully agree. And, and it's the only, it's the first point, certainly the last four, maybe four months of football since Burnley really. And perhaps a few weeks after that, it's the first time I've actually seen a direction that a manager's trying to take us and, and signs of improvement. And I, I know we've I've talked about this earlier in the, this year and the end of last season. I can't remember in the first six years after the last title challenge, really any players improving significantly United at all and I think this season we've seen we've seen loads haven't we we've seen quite a few that have really loads. kicked on you know just seeing that actually warms my heart because it's something that's almost we, you know we've become the club where players go to die really haven't we mm. or talent goes to die whereas now we actually look like a team which has the potential to explode and also to, where players can look at us I mean you talk about Jaden Sancho potentially coming but would Jaden Sancho wanted to have looked at that team six months ago and thought I want to join that team, or looked at Mourinho's the, the, the team the previous season and thought I want to join that team. But I bet you can look at the team in the last couple of months and think that'd be quite fun. Yeah, it's, I've, I've, I've felt there've been there've been some real low points this season. Burnley was the big low point for me, but even then, mm. it, for me, it wasn't it wasn't about Solskjaer. It was about the club itself, the Glazers, the board, you know, everything. And I, I think that if any, in a way, that that performance and result. Was probably what um, what forced Ed Woodward's hand into buying yeah. Fernandez, and and I think you know I, been, you know some of us were saying for quite a while that we're missing that creative midfielder, we're, we're missing that number ten, whatever it might be, you know, that player who can link defence and attack, and and 
I mean, we I, you know, look. He's he's had an absolutely incredible impact, instant impact. Um, no one could have probably foreseen that, but I think there were signs all the way through the season, really, that that, that Solskjaer at least had a plan and a vision. I think he's. It's you're right, Rich. That players have improved, and that's incredible to see. But I think Solskjaer's learning as well, very much on the job, um, and, yeah. and learning well. And he won't be too proud to go to Ferguson and say, "Look, you know." ask for advice and, and, and all the rest of it. And, and that's, I think, not a bad thing. So I think the, the real signs of progress, I don't think we're a million miles away. The squad needs improvement, but, but the first team, when they're all sort of fit and firing, is very, very good now. Right, let's leave it there then, lads, and we'll reconvene after West Ham, if we have to. <laughs> let's do it. Pleasure as always. Right, friends, that'll do it for this week. We'll be back after the West Ham game on Wednesday. But until then, don't forget you can catch us all over Twitter. You can get me at at you and Lennart, Rich at Rich Red Voices, Paul at Paul Gunning One, and the pod at Red Voices MUFC. And the podcast itself can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, and amongst others. So give us a follow or rating. And finally, just a quick reminder to download the Pitch Sports app on Google Play or the App Store to challenge your friends, predict United starting 11s, and our remaining Premier League results. See you in a few days. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.